All right. All right, Jeans. Are you ready to be counted in? Let's do it. Ready in Hamesh. Arba, Shalosh, Stein. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Where my mom's, where my mom's, where my mom's at? Where my mom's wearing thongs, hitting bongs at? Raising kids, cleaning shits, need a long nap. Where my mom's, where my mom's, where my mom's at? Where my mom's at podcast. With Christina P. Uh-uh. What up, moms? I'm here today. I got Olga behind me. We're still waiting on her Adidas tracksuit in the mail. I have Katie Morton as our special guest today. We're going to discuss her book, Traumatized. But before we get into the fun, let me plug my dates. September 9th through 11th, Austin Tejas, my first shows at the Creek and the Cave all weekend. Tickets at Christina P. Online. I cannot wait to do that. And then Oklahoma City, September 23rd through 25th. And then I go to Indianapolis tits. I do Denver, Colorado at Comedy Works. And then I go to Raleigh. And then I go to Salt Lake City. Orlando, San Antonio was rescheduled for December and on and on and on. ChristinaPOnline.com for tickets. Now, let's get on to my favorite person, everybody, Katie Morton. Thank you for being here. <laughs> How you it's doing, so good girl? to be back. I'm yeah. good. I'm good. So you've just moved to Texas, too. How are you adjusting? I'm loving it. I yeah. honestly thought after living in Los Angeles for, I don't know, 19 years, that I would be like, oh, but I was not at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a very different culture. And um, I've learned to make a ton of chit chat. Oh, um, yeah. The talking. <laughs> You're just like morning, like you normally would say. And then they tell you their whole life story. <laughs> I know. I'm just um, I've had more um, conversations about weather than I've ever, ever had. And they love to tell like it was raining the other day. And I had a full conversation about how well, we didn't know it was going to rain. I didn't think it was going to rain. And then it rained. And then <laughs> I had to be like, that's amazing. I know it's weird, huh? <laughs> Weather shocking like that. <laughs> With all that water falling from the sky. What did you do? What did you do? My mom and aunt were here visiting recently and I grew up in Washington state. That's where they live. And you would think they'd never seen rain before, but they'd never seen <laughs> Texas rain. And yes. they were like window to window, like, <laughs> And then they were both stood out on the patio where it's like covered, but they put their hand out like it's hot <laughs> rain. <gasps> and I was like, yeah, it's hot rain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hot rain. Ooh, that's a good name uh, for an album. Hot rain. There's yeah. purple rain and then there's hot rain. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I'm so thr thrilled to have you back. Um, I fell in love with you originally on YouTube because I was Googling, you know, various uh, maybe mental illness questions. Possible. You, yeah. <laughs> maybe just wondering if I was okay. And then I found your book. Am I okay? Did I say that right? Are you okay? Are Close. you okay? Mm -hmm. And um, I read that book and I was like, she's absolutely fantastic. I love your accessibility. I love that you break things down um, for regular people like me. I don't have a degree in psychology and I've always appreciated that about you. And now you have your second book out called Traumatized. Yes. And um, identify, understand, and cope with PTSD and emotional stress. Now, I feel like the word trauma is thrown around so frequently. And like, what is this? What is it? What does it really mean to have trauma? I mean, yeah, the, the most inclusive definition that I would give to the word trauma is when something happens in our life or to someone close to us, that is just too overwhelming for our system. It's too much for us to process in the moment. We can become traumatized. And just for clarity, people should know that you can be traumatized and not end up developing PTSD or you can, and no judgments around that. It's really just about our ability to cope. No, you should judge their weakness. And character. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting. You just said that. So it literally is something that you go through and it's so overwhelming that in the moment your brain can't process it. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. So for instance, my accident, when I fell down the stairs, I was, we were just discussing it at lunch the other day, I think you, wasn't it? Then you told me you go, well, your body shuts that down. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't you. But anyway, you shut it down because your body is just working so hard to deal with the physical trauma that the mental part, it has to kind of shut down, right. To survive yeah. a traumatic. It can like dissociate you from it for a bit where you're like, whoa, like, um, dissociations. Like when you remove your brain, like pulls, I call it your brain pulling the ripcord. It's like, mm -hmm. wow, this is overwhelming. I'm out of here. Whoa. 
And then it can remove you from self. It can remove you from environment for a while. Some people can have it for like years, but for most of us, it's like for a day or a couple hours as a way to just be like, I can survive this. I got this, you know, like you kind of like blocking out the, the mental trauma of hurting yourself while you're dealing with the physical stuff. Yes. There's, there's two, two things I thought about there is how do you know when you've dissociated? How do you know? Cause I heard that term for so many years and I didn't realize that I essentially was dissociating. Is it disassociating or dissociating? First of all, dissociating dissociation. Dissociate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize it, but I was in a constant state of dissociation. I would say from the time I was you know, what, 13 to 20 something or 28 or 30 when I got into therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's as if you're not from the way I experienced it, it. It was like you're not really rooted in yourself. It's like you're always watching yourself. If you're gotten really high, <laughs> it's like it's like when you're really high and you're like, wah, 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 that that weird sense of like time and you're watching yourself do things and you're not there. Yeah. And so, yes, that's exactly what it is. Some people say it's like watching yourself in a movie Mm -hmm. or like almost like out of body experience. Like I felt like I was just not in my body making choices. I was just like watching myself do things, which can feel really uncomfortable. But for some people, it can be really soothing and safe because they're like, my life's a shit show. I'd rather Mm -hmm. not be part of it, you know? And so you can kind of like to hang out and like force dissociation. I've had lots of patients over the years try to trigger it to pull themselves out. It feels better, <laughs> which I totally get. Well, but isn't the that way- what glass of wine is? I mean, uh, it's is, called is, numbing is, out close. Oh, but oh yes. sorry. Alcoholism, right? Same <laughs> alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry. No, but um, to know if you've been dissociating is usually the number one way to know is if you have memory loss. Oh, so it's yeah. like those times are real spotty. <laughs> you're like, oh, you might not have any recollection. I have tons of viewers and patients who are like, oh, I don't remember anything from like eight to 12. And, you know, usually that coincides with, you know, trauma, abuse, something happening in your life to force that dissociation. Yes, it's funny. And I when I realized I was dissociating, it was when I would talk to Miss Pat, the comedian, the wonderful Miss Pat. And she goes, I was telling her a memory I had from childhood. She goes, you know, girl, you got to, you got to talk about that on stage. And I go, I don't have any memories from my childhood. Yeah. I don't know how to talk about it. Yeah. And she says, well, that's trauma. That's trauma. And she goes, well, just start trying to remember and it'll come back to you. And I was like, oh, really? I had no idea that the reason I couldn't talk about stuff is because I just didn't remember. Yeah. It's so crazy. You think you're normal your whole life. And then someone says one thing to you and you're like, oh no, I'm in the matrix. Like <laughs> it's one of those aha moments where you're like, yeah, oh my God. And then you go shit, or at least that's how <laughs> I am in therapy where I'm like, oh my God. Wow. And then you see everything differently. You're like, fuck. Yeah. yeah. What's also, that. yeah. And then what's also interesting, what you said earlier. So the dissociating and then the body remembers trauma, which is interesting. So for instance, back to my ankle, the example of that, I walk up and down the stairs now that I fell down, but for about eight weeks, I would not like, I wouldn't even look at those stairs. I don't want anything to do with those stairs. I covered them in carpet. The shit is bubble wrapped. Like fuck you in my state, fuck the stairs. So my little boy, my five-year-old goes, mom, it's time to face your fears. Let's go down the stairs together. I love I, that Ellis yeah. is the one to come out and be like, yeah, mom, such, let's such fix badass. this. Let's, let's do some exposure you. therapy. Yes. Because, uh, because I've, we've done that together on, you know, past issues. He, he hated loud self-flushing toilets and we faced that fear together when he was three. Anyway, so I'm walking down the stairs for the first time, hobbling slowly, slowly. And I notice this visceral reaction that I had in my gut when I got to the step that I fell on and I didn't know it. I didn't register it because I have no memory of the accident, but my body knew. And I, rem- I had this feeling, don't step there. Don't step there, bitch. Like it was telling me, don't do yeah. it. And I'm like, oh, this must have been the step that I fell on. So the, how does how is it that the body remembers? It's really interesting. One of my favorite books, actually a book I read a lot and I reference a lot in my book. I did it. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. Bessel van der Kolk. Beautiful book. I recommend it to everybody. Um, but a huge part of what I was reading in there and what I've learned through, and I won't get too nerdy, but like somatic experiencing as a style of therapy of like releasing trauma through movement. 
But what we know is that there's actually cellular memory. So for instance, let's say you were in session with me and you were telling me that, uh, I don't know, when you were assaulted, someone grabbed you like by the arms, people can actually get like a, the mark. Do you know how, when you see like you release and there's no one grabbing them, but that mark will show up. It's almost like our body knows what happened and it, you know, think about how connected everything in our body is. And we forget the thing that I always frustrates me. People are like, Oh, that's just all in your head. And I'm like, no. uh, that's like your whole fucking nervous system. which runs your entire body. So best of luck to you. If you think that those are somehow separated, mm. but when we talk about something, our nervous system remembers what happened. And I think, you know, it, it like shows you. And so your body was like, Oh my God, this is when this happened. And your, you know, your gut like probably churned. Cause it was like, Ooh, like get preparing itself for more pain. Cause like yes. I associate this area with pain. So I'm yep. going to prepare myself for it. Wow. It's so fascinating. What you just said. I never, cause I think, um, the Western world, at least when philosophy, when I studied philosophy, their Descartes said that, um, cogito ergo sum, right? That famous, I think, therefore I exist. Mm -hmm. And he really separated in my mind, the body from the mind. So I had this, this notion that my body and my mind are very, very separate. Um, and it it wasn't until very recently, like even this morning, I woke up at at 8am and I said, get in the pool, get in the pool, go walk, work your ankle in the pool, get in the Mm -hmm. pool. And I started swimming. I go, this is exactly what I needed. I did a show last night in Texas and I was so keyed up. And I'm, I know I needed to dispel that energy, yeah. but it, listening to that voice and seeing how you're connected, the body was telling the mind, hey, bitch, you need this to calm yourself down. Go, go yeah. take care of yourself. But you lose that connection when you're traumatized. So oh, for 100%. many years. Yeah. Yeah. Because to be listen. in your body and to listen, like the worst thing you can do for someone who's traumatized is be like, you should meditate. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. I <laughs> They're know. like, I'd rather get punched in the face repeatedly. No, thanks. You know, it's just overwhelming to our system to have to be alone with our thoughts, right? It doesn't feel safe or okay. So to connect, that's why a lot of my um, patients with PTSD or trauma background will struggle with overeating too, because we don't really know when we're full and we actually might not even know when we're hungry. I I love eating comfort eating. Mm. I know whenever I eat with you, you're like my grandma, you're always like scooping more on my plate, even though I'm still eating. I'm like, sure. This is fine. You need it all. You need it all. Taking care of me. I appreciate it. I love you. You got to eat Katie. I know. I know. Um, but it, that's the thing is the disconnection feels safer, feels better. And yes. until we can kind of heal a little bit or at least tr- start the healing it's, I want everybody to know it's okay to not want to do that or not be able to do what you did, Christina, where your body like told you you needed something and you took care of it, but know that we can always get there. You know, that's you've been in therapy for a long time. You've done a lot of work. Yeah. So that was really cool. Well, cause you, the problem, problem with being traumatized, I think what, um, there's, well, let's talk about this first of all, but let me say one thing. Uh, the problem with growing up, I was constantly, there's a lot of trauma being traumatized. So you don't learn to listen to your gut because Mm -hmm. you're, you don't develop a sense of self when you're as a child, you're constant. My father was an alcoholic. My mother's a borderline. So I was really didn't develop a sense of self because I was too busy surviving, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you're adapting to survive. I was in survival mode, uh, taking care of my parents. So, you know, you don't really develop that intuition that you need, like, Hey, I'm full. Hey, I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. I, well, and even if <laughs> I would argue too, that even if you did have intuition, it was, you immediately didn't trust it because something bad yes. would still happen. <laughs> yeah. That's the cool part. Yeah. And that's so the like, other shoe's going to drop. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Ugh. Oh, what a healthy, good thing. Um, so let's talk about this too, because I feel like the term PTSD and CPTSD, these are all terms that get thrown around. Everyone says, I have, I have such PT. I remember like a few years ago, people be like, oh my God, I have PTSD from that meeting. I have PTSD, mm-hmm. you know? And you're like, well, what does this really mean when people say I have PTSD? Yeah. PTSD itself as a diagnosis means that you've had something terrifying happen, right? You've been traumatized. Like we talked about earlier, it's too An much event. for the system. Yes. An actual event. Mm-hmm. But it can also be the thing that a lot lot of people don't understand is you can be traumatized by things that you watch that aren't happening to you or things that are happening to your loved one. Like for instance, Christina, if I was with you and that night and you like fell down the stairs and I watched it and couldn't help you, I could be equally as traumatized 
by the situation, you know, because I still witnessed it and I care about you. So I'd be like, Oh, and it would be horrible. Right. And so people don't always realize that you can be traumatized that way. And so when you're diagnosed with PTSD, it means something traumatizing happened. And as a result of that, you either have flashbacks or you avoid situations that remind you of it. Like you not wanting to go down the stairs is a good representation of that, <laughs> you know, cause it, that's not, are you crazy? I'd rather not. Yeah. Right. I'll avoid it at all costs. And so people will avoid anything that triggers them. Um, then, you know, obviously you can have nightmares, you can have dissociation. There are a lot of different symptoms and everybody's going to experience it differently. But I think the components that we end up seeking therapy for is possibly flashbacks, but usually it's things with our relationships. So we can become really irritable and on edge. We can struggle with like emotional volatility, feeling like just crying and then being angry, you know, just feeling kind of like things are out of control for you. Mm -hmm. And then isolation. A lot of people will be like, everything's just too much. And I don't want to hurt anybody by like how I'm reacting. I'm just going to, I'm just going to not mm -hmm. interact. Um, That's so those a are big one. The, yeah. Isolation is a big one, especially for comedians. That is a, uh, we love to isolate. Uh, <laughs> but when you and work at night too, good. it's tricky. How do you yeah. interact with other people? You know? So, um, flashbacks, what does that mean? I, like, what is a flash? Is it literally you see some, you're reliving it, something reminds you of it, and you're like, oh, I'm there. Yeah, it flashes back to that time. Um, and the, the important thing to remember with flashbacks is they're not always like a, like a, hitting play on a movie. Like it's not like no. you're always just watching it back in full. It can be like flashes of images. A lot of people mm -hmm. say it's like a flip book and it might not even connect. You're like, what the hell is that? And what's that? You know, we might not even have the memory connection to it. Um, but we have the same bodily or emotional response like mm. that situation's happening. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's interesting because I didn't realize too, I was having flashbacks. I would, every time, um, I would hear leaf blowers. I had a negative association with leaf blowers my whole adult life. I, they angered me. Like I would hear us, the guy, and I would just, oh, it just aggravated. It gave me a visceral physical reaction. Well, it turns out, and I, I was in my therapist's office. I, I don't fucking hate these leaf blowers. They just give me negative feelings. I want to fucking kill them. When I was left home alone a lot as a child, like there was a summer in 1984, I was a kid and like, I just watched MTV all day alone in the house. Like my dad did not think like maybe summer camp for uh, yeah, something if I can't something. be around. Yeah. <laughs> so um, MTV babysat me the entire summer of 1984. And what happened in the middle of the day was those the gardeners would come once a week. And it was terrifying for me as a little kid because I thought, oh, my gosh, they're going to are they going to come in? And, you know, they, uh -huh. they come into your backyard and you're like, <gasps> so that was a flashback. But it's not. And like flashbacks, the way they show them in movies is always like yeah. a war movie where they're like, oh, like there's a guy throwing a grenade in a bomb shelter. And yeah, yeah, and it's not that. And I think, too, like when I would hear the word flashback, I would think it's that visceral or that visual. And it's not necessarily it can be a physical or an emotional reaction. Right. Like you hear a piece of music and you're like, oh, you yeah. know, what is that or a sound or smell? Yeah. Your senses, your five senses are the most common triggers for flashbacks. And I know everybody be like, well, obviously you have to sense something, but I'm just saying that we don't think of it oftentimes when it comes to sound or scent. But I mean, think about like, if I smelled curve for women perfume, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm back in high school. <laughs> right. Or like every guy I knew curve. in high school wore, uh, was it Davy Doff cool water? Like yeah. that, like is like bad clubs and yeah. bad decisions. Like you yeah. just, it, Oh, Calvin Klein there. for me, it was Calvin oh, Klein. Oh yeah. CK one. CK one. So popular, but scents are really powerful. And so yeah. I think that too often we think of, oh yeah, that scent brought me back, but we don't think of it when in, in relation to trauma, when in fact that is one of our strongest recall, you know, triggers. And so even clothing things, the way things feel on our body can be, you know, can trigger us. There's a lot of ways to be triggered, but yeah, scent sound tend to be the ones that I hear the most. Yes. It's so fascinating that mind body connection. That's what you're saying. The neurons, it's all connected to your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the body gives the brain the message and that's how you understand the message, you know? Yep. Um, so what's, what can people do? So you now you realize someone listening to this is like, 
Well, let's talk about this for the the women, the mothers listening, and maybe the partners of women that have just been through labor. Labor can be very traumatic. Yeah. Uh, traumatizing. And that's one we don't really talk about. So let's talk a little bit about that. Tell me about women that you've seen in your practice, maybe. Or, yeah. Even friends or, of mine. I have a couple of women I've seen in my practice, but I have also friends who've been traumatized through childbirth and mm. in a couple of ways. And for all the moms out there, they always have you. I don't know why they do this to people. This is just like setting you up for failure, but they're like, let's put a birth plan together. Yeah. And women Good are luck. like, yes, now I feel in control. Thank you. This is going to be perfect. Everything's going to go together just as it's supposed to. And it almost never does. I don't think no. I have a friend whose birth plan has turned into the actual plan. No, there's emergency C-sections, there's complications. Um, and one of my friends actually, after she'd had her second child, she hemorrhaged at home and you're mm. wearing, my friends always call it the wee wee pad, but like that big pad that you have to wear that like, is this horrible and you're uncomfortable and you're in pain. And she, there was, she was bleeding so much that of course she was like, well, I need to stay home for my baby. And I was like, you need to get your ass to the hospital, you mm -hmm. know, like call an ambulance. And so she finally did because she had to leave her husband with the babies to go. Mm -hmm. And they were like, if you didn't come in, you would have bled to death. Like, and she's still to this day, like, I mean, she's in therapy too, but she will still say like, even the thought of having a child, like will send me into a flashback, like a panic attack. She'll feel overwhelmed because mm -hmm. it was so scary. You know, even looking back on it, she's, it was the fear when she got to the hospital, knowing that she could have died, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and it's so scary. Or that your baby could have been injured. Like a lot of women who have like those last minute C-sections and stuff, because the cords wrapped around their neck or they decided to be breached and we weren't ready for that. Or, you know, who knows? I think there's a lot, there's a lot of trauma surrounding childbirth itself and not even to mention like trying to get pregnant and what that can do to us. Well, too. let's talk. We'll go there in a second. But, you know, I'm um, I'm watching this new show on HBO called uh, Game of Thrones. I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> Never. Um, mm -hmm. Tom and I just got into it. I wish I, I mean, no one told us about it. It's so weird. And um, <laughs> all I can think about the Khaleesi is pregnant right now. And I'm the whole time I'm like, I would hate to be pregnant in whatever time that show takes place. In. Yeah, How many women died because of that? <laughs> well, that's the thing people feel like we think we're so advanced and yeah, we are, but shit happens and, and birth is real. Like it is, it is a dangerous physical act and it's yeah. not, it's not to be poo pooed. It is not, it is not easy. Even if you do have an ideal birth, I mean, it's mm -hmm. still always traumatic. Your body is split in half and, this being comes out of you and now they put it on your chest and all of a sudden you're, you transform into a mother and that's a whole transformation. And, and it can yeah. take time too. I've heard from a lot of people over years. the years, that like they didn't have the maternal instinct and they're like, sure. you know, essentially like, fuck, 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 fuck. What's wrong with me? You know, when, when in reality, your whole life just changed and your hormones are going like this, they're doing like a crazy dance of chaos where your progesterone, you know, not to get into it all together, but things drop, other hormones are going up and also you're yes. in pain and you're oh, like pain. And then one of my best friends was like, and now my husband smells horrible to me. And I was like, that's protective because <laughs> you're not supposed to get pregnant right now. Cause you just had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> right. That instinct. But then they send yeah. you to the doctor after six weeks and they're like, you're cleared for sex. And I'm like, yeah. am I really like, yay. Right. <laughs> yeah. What a dream. That's the first thing I want to do is F right. Six weeks after like, don't I touch me. My body still doesn't feel like my own and I still hurt. So yeah, yeah. I'd rather die. Like, no. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the actual birthing process is, is, can be very traumatic. And then, um, oh, I remember this, this is a good memory. My second <laughs> kid, <laughs> my second child, Julian, I pushed him out. And then, um, a day or two later, I was laying in the hospital bed and I was like, uh, what's that hanging out of me? What is that an extra part? And I, yeah. I called Did the doctor something in there. Yeah. Cause there was an extra something down there and you don't really, you know, it's so numb. You're so numb. And yeah. I call the doctor. I'm like, Hey, what is that? He goes, Oh, that's just your uterus. No. Uh, what was it? Sorry. No, it's just your, he goes, it goes, um, that's just your bladder. And I was like, okay. I'm sorry. What? What? what that's supposed like, to be yeah, inside yeah yeah he goes you just push super hard he's like when you when you push really hard you push organs out through your uh your opening and i was like what he's like yeah it'll just go up in like two or three days no no he goes it'll go up eventually and i was like can you give me you a know, timeline like, can you, like put it back in now thanks 
He's like, it'll go back up eventually. I did not know that. Can I have an ETA? Yeah. I can't (laughs) be walking around with my bladder hanging out. My vag, that's not right. That was wild. Our bodies are wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then you mentioned fertility trauma. And I get a lot of emails from men and women, a lot of men who don't know how to comfort the women in their lives who are having fertility issues. Let's talk about like, how can you, can you, how can you help your partner? Someone asked me that last week. What's the best thing somebody can do? Just listen, be there. I think a lot of times we try to fix too much, especially men. And this isn't to like characterize that all men try to fix, but they tend to be like, okay, let's just make this better. What do I do? When a lot of times we just want to be listened to like many, like many friends of mine and many patients of mine have struggled to get pregnant. And so there's this belief, I think somewhere deep inside of us, that's like, something must be wrong with me. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I can't get pregnant. This is the one thing that I'm supposed to do as a woman who, you know, we can have like a almost identity crisis. Like, well, if I can't do this, you know, like, what am I doing? You're you're designed to take a shit, eat and have babies as a woman. You're like, what? Yeah. Right. That's all we do. It's all I do. You know, it's just, I know (laughs) shit, 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 eat, 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 baby, 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 baby. (laughs) Yeah. And you do feel like a failure because I had trouble conceiving with Ellis. And I remember being like, so weird. Like, why can't I do this? This Is the one thing I'm on this earth really biologically to do. And I can't. And am I being punished? Like I had two miscarriages before I conceived Ellis. And I remember feeling like, did I do something wrong? Did I mm-hmm. take Advil? Was I supposed to take Advil? Is it the Advil? I t- you yeah. know, I, I had oh, you sushi. Think everything. Yeah. Is yeah. it because I I smoked when I was 16 yes. or I drank? You can go through everything that you consider bad for your body and blame, you know, have all this guilt and the, this misplaced blame when in actuality conceiving is difficult for a lot of people. And it, you know, a lot of times we don't know why, you know? Yeah. And so the, I think the, a lot of men don't know how to console because they're, but they can be worried about that too. I think that's the misconception that only women worry about conceiving mm. men worry about it too. Right. Is something wrong with me or like, um, I, I don't mean to giggle, but I had a, a viewer years ago that was like, I worry something's wrong with my junk. <laughs> and I was like, Oh no, you know, like go get You can go get it tested, go figure out what's happening. And that can give us a little bit of, I don't know, compassion or just calmness and understanding of the situation. But if something is wrong, then there's like another layer, you know, um, I'm sure many people out there, either you find that you don't have many eggs or that your sperm count is low or that they're slower swimmers. So it might take an extra, you know, might have to try IVF or different things to get pregnant. And I, I really, we just need to normalize it. Cause it's honestly, I can off the top of my head, think of like five of my friends who've done IVF and that's just like, without even putting any thought into it. Yeah, you know? I did. Yeah. I think yeah. too, I think I hear more stories of struggle than I do the, you know, the old, yeah. And then it would just sort of happen and it, and it can happen in your twenties too. Infertility is not just for us older broads. Like you, you can be, you can have issues very early in life. And I agree yeah. with you that getting to a doctor and having them really assess you and a good one too. They're great fertility doctors and then there are not so great ones. Find a great one and really get to the bottom of it. I think the fear and the anxiety over like, I don't want to know, you know, like I don't want to yeah. go to the doctor. And but like, la, la, la. It's better like ignorance is bliss. Yeah. So when do you, well, just, I'll just say it because I, I wish someone had, no, my shrink did tell me that my shrink told me this wonderfully. Um, if you're trying to conceive and it's six months and you're doing it on your cycle, meaning you're monitoring your ovulation. And after I think it's six months and nothing's happening, you should probably go see a doctor fertility yeah. doctor. I've heard six months is kind of a good time frame for anybody. Yeah. Who's- Cause people wait so long and it's kind of, I don't know. It's frustrating to me that as women, we have this limited amount of time where it's easier to conceive, not that necessarily yes. it's easy, but tends to be easier. Um, and in order to like actually have a career, we only have a good like five, six year window yeah, <laughs> where we can like yeah. meet a person and decide we want to have kids, you know, and that, that can be, I don't know. It just seems like a, a bad joke or something. You're like, how does that make sense? Um, but also know that you can have healthy. And again, I'm not a doctor, but you can have healthy, easy births, like got pregnant easily, had a, had a healthy baby and then not be able to the next time. Like nobody, yep. you know, not every, every pregnancy, every birth is different. I've had a lot of friends, which I forget the term that their doctor used, but it was like late onset infertility or something like oh, that. Gosh. And that was really hard for her. Cause she was like, but I had one child fine, you know? Yeah. And they usually tell you too, if you've had one successful birth, 
you should be able to do it again. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, you've already had a pregnancy and then six carried folder. Okay, good. You're good. And it's like, mm, not really. You don't yeah, know what not necessarily. Going on. Yeah. And also it's a roller coaster um, getting pregnant, staying pregnant. It's a roller coaster of emotions. Like the, mm-hmm. the hope, the hope, like let's say you're doing a round of IVF or a round of whatever. There's like hope, 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 waiting, 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 and no dice. And then we're uh-huh. back down to zero. Hope, 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 hope. And like... Yeah. How do people deal with that? Should we be drinking a lot more, eating more? <laughs> what do we do with those dark feelings? Go we ahead. need to talk about it, Christina. You know this. Tell people <laughs> about it. There's a great book. It's called, uh, I think it's the five stages of parenthood. It might be the six stages of parenthood. That sounds better. Oh, it's an that old cool. book from like the seventies, but I love it. I can bring you my copy. It's yes. amazing. But it taught the thing that I think is important for people who are trying to get pregnant and maybe have gotten pregnant and then had a miscarriage. And also I get really pissed off. My cousin struggled with getting pregnant with both of her children and had a, a like five or six miscarriages leading up oh, to super traumatic. And the doctors lady. would be like, oh, that wasn't really a miscarriage because you didn't actually conceive. Like it was a false positive. But it, they, yeah, yeah. Like, tried to medically. And she's a doctor. And she was just almost like she wouldn't say this because she's religious. But in my head, I'm like, I'd be like, fuck you. No, get out of here. Like you work with pregnant women all day and you're about to tell me I didn't have a miscarriage when I didn't have my period for six weeks. And then I did again. Like, yes. They told me that too. I had a chemical pregnancy. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't see the, there's nothing in there. And I'm like, it, trust me. I was late. It was, it was, I yep. trust me. I know. And I know my body. Things were yeah. different. Yeah. So it's invalidating, you know, so invalidating. And also to the fertility process is they treat you like a real meat slab. Like I, <laughs> I remember like you just get used to having so many different hands. Even this is just like regular when you're just giving birth, like everyone comes in and just puts their hand in you. <laughs> like when you're, <laughs> you're like, when you're, yeah, you're like, Oh, whose hand is going to be in me today. And like, I remember I was uh, giving birth <laughs> the first time and I was pushing, pushing, pushing. And they go, Oh, we're having a shift change. And then all what? the nurses shifted out. And a whole new staff came in and all of a sudden four new people were looking at my insides. I'm like, this is crazy. We're having a shift change. You're in like, I'm having pushing. a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. And then I just remember like, yeah, when doctors, especially, you know, dudes, sometimes they don't, they're not the, they just kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, uh, whew, I had to tell dudes if I ever had a male doctor, I was like, yo, take your time, bro. Be slow. Be gentle. Yeah, with tell me. me what you're going to do before you do it. Please. Yeah. Thanks. It's my body. <laughs> yeah, That's great. <laughs> so, so there's that trauma. So talk about it. your feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to therapy obviously is the best. Now let's talk about, you said CPTSD and how it's different. Yeah. This one's really interesting. Talk about that. Yeah. Complex PTSD, for those who don't know, is when we've had repeated traumas. Now, I Mm. would argue almost everybody who has PTSD probably has complex PTSD because like we were talking about earlier, the the likelihood that the situation will repeat is is, it's very likely. Right. It's a high probability because we can struggle to have our own intuition and to trust that intuition because it's led to pain in the past. And I talk about that in the book, too. Like, why does this keep happening to me? Because a lot of my patients over the years have been like, am I just like a fly trap for like shitty situations? Like, why does this keep happening? (laughs) Oh, my God. Let's talk about that. I mean, there are people in my life, too, where you're like, you're just going to do that again, bro. Like, didn't we just and I'm Mm -hmm. saying into their 40s, 50s, they're still making the same damn mistakes. Well, if we don't see anybody and we don't meaning see a professional like therapist, psychologist, counselor, whatever, even joining AA or anything like that and having a sponsor, like if we don't try to work on things and bring awareness to maybe an unhealthy pattern, how are we going to change it? Right. We can't change what we don't understand. So I think for a lot of people, we, you know, even like through the years, I'm still learning new things about myself and having those moments where I'm like, shit, that's not good either. I thought I'd figured this out, you know, so it is a process, but when it comes to the repeated traumas, I just want everybody to know it's not your fault that it keeps happening, but we do have to take responsibility for changing the unhealthy thoughts, feelings, and actions. So it's like, we can get caught up in these cycles and because we're used to people treating us like shit, maybe Mm -hmm. then we're drawn to people who remind us of that because that relationship's comfortable, especially if our caregiver was a dickwad. Oh, so listen to what you're saying. It's because the relationship is comfortable or familiar. It doesn't feel good. 
but you it's familiar and you just like i'm gonna go do that i'm gonna go deep the shithead again i'm gonna make yep. friends with the shithead again yep you're like i i know what this is like and ooh, that you know we can we can the best way i can describe it to people is like if you feel i think even dr drew said this when i was on his podcast last week is like if you feel like uh, fireworks, like, oh my God, I have to be with this person. This is amazing. I want things to move real quick. I want to, this is, I'm going to move in with them. I'm in love with them. And you've known them for like three weeks. That's not a good sign. Everybody <laughs> thinks like, oh, that that's like, oh, I'm so in love. I'm just like riding that wave. And I'm like, no, 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 that's actually very bad. Like healthy, <laughs> healthy relationship development takes time. And we should be able to spend time with them and realize that like, oh, I can trust them. We build uh -huh. trust. I can share more about myself little by little, no verbal diarrhea, like yours truly. I will overshare. I used to do that <laughs> do like, crazy. Really? Like, my therapist was like, oh, let's not do that. That's not, it's not helping you in any way. Um, <laughs> It was like, I was such a sensitive child. Like I'm definitely a highly sensitive person. So I'd be like, I just feel so much. I just want to share all of these feelings. She's like, you're going to, not, not that she said this, but this is what as an adult, I'm like, she was really telling me you're going to scare people away. <laughs> and the ones that stay probably aren't. Mm -mm. Not um, healthy. Yeah. So you need to take your time in relationships and you should feel excited to see someone. I'm not telling people you shouldn't have, you know, like that bubbly in the stomach yeah. excitement that we all want in a relationship that's healthy, but the rush to do things more yeah. quickly, like in the Ugh. book, I talk a lot about how you should feel free to take your time and to get to know someone and go at your own pace and people who are worth your while will wait. Of course. So you're right. Yeah. Cause when I met Tom, I wasn't like, you know, like, come on, I was more like, this guy's so fucking boring. And like, <laughs> like you kind of want boring a little bit where you're just like, you do. am I, wait, this doesn't feel like the, we're just, it's so funny because he and I were just talking last night about like, if we had to get married at 21, who, who were we both dating when we were 21 and oh what are mess? Oh, yeah, exactly. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I was dating this barista from Starbucks the guy with the tattoos, the rocket from the crypt tap two. And like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And he was one of those, like, let's get married. We three weeks in. And I was like, I'm 21. Like, I'm not going to get married. That's crazy. And looking back, we're like so unhealthy. So what is, so what was his attachment style? Just super fakakta and mine. Like why, why, what happened? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's probably a ton of different examples of this, but attachment is a big one. Like there's a whole chapter in my book about attachment, yes. like how attachment can lead to trauma. Because if, if our caregiver, meaning like mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, nanny, whoever's taking care of us doesn't come when we cry and like console us and do that repeatedly, you know, whether that's like, we need to be fed or we need to be changed or we need to just, you know, rub the back, put a bandaid on the boo-boo, tell us it's going to be okay. If they don't do that, then we go out into the world looking for someone to do that. And as quickly Ooh. as possible, we want to fill that role. So that could be that I want to get married because it wasn't, I love you. And I think you're a good companion for my life. It was like, I need someone to take care of me in the way that I have needed forever. And I think you might be able to do that. So let's just do that quick. Cause like, I still don't feel myself, you know, I don't feel okay. God. Just being me. That is so <laughs> like, I hope everybody listening just had their brains explode the way mine did. Cause like run it off is laughing. You tune it off. Yeah. I mean, wow. I mean, if that isn't a reason not to get married at 21 when you haven't figured out your own stuff. Yeah. Because otherwise we just move quickly. And I think that's honestly, that's why divorce rates are what they are is because people feel pressure to get married at a certain time. Like I didn't get married till, and this, I even thought this was, I was still one of my first friends to get married. And I think I was 29 or almost 30. It was mm. around that time when Sean and I got married. And we've been together for like five years before we got married. And everybody was like, how come you're not getting married? Like tick, tick, you should be uh, doing that. My own brother was like, when are you going to settle down? And I was like, dude, I'm like 26. Like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing tomorrow. Like relax, yeah. you know? And at the time also, I was like, I don't want to get married. Like that was just not a thing for me, but it's, we should be able to spend our time figuring out what's going on with us so that we don't continue to repeat those mistakes. Like when I, I had had a series of like really toxic relationships leading mm -hmm. up to my relationship with Sean and my therapist's advice at the time was so hard for me to take. Cause she was, cause it I'll tell you. And then you'd be like, Oh, she was like, I want you to be uncomfortable 
in your next relationship. Oh my God. And I was like, yes, that sounds horrible. Also sounds like I'd be walking into a trap. What do you, what do you mean? Yeah. You had it well, too. Do, oh my God. No, this is the advice. Sorry, I'm just making sure my, um, um, this is the advice. Like, it's so funny. You say that. So I've, you know, you have girlfriends who they keep dating shitheads mm-hmm. and you're like, dude, just try it. Just try the nice guy. This is why I'm a huge proponent of dating nice guys. Nice, boring, boring is the guy. Yeah. Like you don't boring understand. is better. Yeah. Yeah. You want the guy that's like no drama, doesn't have emotional ups and downs. Like we're just yep. consistency, no consistency, safety. And I have a friend very close. I go, just, just try dating the nice guy and go against your intuition. That's telling you that he's boring and da da da. Like, Basically what you just said, your therapist told you to do, right? Like just go yeah. against that shit bird instinct inside of you. That's like, but he's not exciting. And this isn't like, totally. and then Sean like, wasn't available to me 24 seven. I know <laughs> so healthy. Right. And I was like, whoa, what? Like, and I yeah. told her, I was like, so I would like try to call him and like, I texted and like, he hasn't gotten back to me. And she's like, oh how long God. has it been? And I was like, I don't know, like two days. And she's like, maybe he has a life. Like, that's good. You want him to have things he does on his own. And crazy yes. me was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I would like to repeat this pattern again. Sign me up. Chaos. I want to bond to you. I want you to be my daddy. And then, and then <laughs> when you, when um, you don't fulfill the irrational requests mm-hmm. in my unconscious, I'm going to resent you for it. Right. Like, isn't that a cycle of like, it can they be can't parent you. They can't parent you. Yeah. And you could go through that phase, which I think could probably lead to like relationships ending earlier than they should. When again, it's kind of like on us as the person trying to change behavior to acknowledge like, no, it's going to be uncomfortable. This must be me reacting. You know what I mean? Like I'm overreacting. That's like one of the most healing things for me is been able to recognize when I'm overreacting without, yes. without like shit talking myself. I'm not like, okay, you're like, you're losing your mind. It's more like I'm overreacting. Why? Why? Because something triggered it, right? Like I'm not overreacting because I'm crazy. It's a, it's a reaction to something else that's like not happening now. Something that's happened in the past. So what she's saying, this is really big. If, if you guys are listening, uh, uh, <laughs> when you're trying to figure out whenever you have a visceral, like for instance, uh, the lawn, the, 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 the leaf blower, the leaf blower. And you like, fuck the fucking leaf blower. And it's like, <laughs> you're mine, you know, like these are just guys doing their job. And and you're like, I actually hired out. these gardeners. So yeah. I don't know why I'm so pissed off. They're doing their job. Why am I so mad at the gardener? And mm-hmm. then like, here's the thing. So then instead of going to your spouse and then shooting the poison their way and being like, what the fuck? You're not going to clean up your dishes and start a fight or take yep. that bad energy somewhere else you can go like, Oh, that's funny. Why do I hate the gardener? Like that's the stupidest thing. And then why would I be mad? That's interesting. Why am I mad at the gardener? And then yeah. like talk it through with your shrink. <laughs> it to- totally. Cause like for me, it was my dad worked away from home a lot. Cause he, he worked like on projects. So he'd be gone for like periods of time. And so he'd say, Oh yeah, I'll be there for that game. And then the job would get extended and he wouldn't be able to show oh. up for me. And so that, I mean, obviously I worked years and years in therapy to like heal that, but that was the urge for, to have people right away. Like, I want to have you committed immediately so that I know that I'm okay. If for like, you're going to be consistent, but instead of looking for consistency and boringness, I looked for like the, like love bombing, you know what I mean? Where people be like, you're so amazing. I'd be like, Oh, eat that up. Yeah. 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 That means you're going to show up for me. This is so good. Ooh. And then my therapist was like, "Ah, absolutely not. Why do you keep doing this? You know, I love you, but stop, you know? So, so Sean was super boring and it was wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) And you went against your instincts of enmeshment. Well, I'm projecting now. I went against my instincts of let's, yeah, let's do this. Let's couple up. Let's be better. You know, and yeah, take it slow. Let's take it slow. Cause Tom was healthier, I think than I was. And then we just took it slow. And yeah. Then and then that gives you time good. Yeah, to get to know each other, develop a real relationship built on actual experiences that you've shared together. Yeah. And also, I'm, I don't know where I heard this from, but there's a saying that you should know somebody through four seasons before you mm-hmm. commit to marriage. Oh, sorry. You go through all the seasons four times. <laughs> um, I would think four years is a nice 
I personally, that's that to me is like the a nice sweet spot. Like you've seen them go through a lot of stuff in four years. Yeah. You know how they handle most of what life will throw at you after four years. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I've always yeah. thought at least two, but four. At I mean, least. I mean, we, we were five years, so what, you know, but I, I think getting like getting engaged before being together for one year is like, there's it's, it's, it's easy to hide all of your chaos that long. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like we can all hide our crazy for a while and we've all got it. And you should conceal a little bit at the top. I mean, you got to you got to trick them into the honeypot, right? Isn't that what they are? <laughs> and then, you know, and then you dispense your stuff once, once there's rapport and yeah, and just trust. a little bit at a time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's that. <laughs> oh, here's my neuroticism. There's mm-hmm. that anxiety. Here's a little bit yeah. of depression. Yes. Yes. Here's an interesting question. So I have a situation. I have a friend who the wife is very depressed. She has been for years. Mm. And the husband is sweet and is a, is committed to the marriage, but doesn't know what to do. And I feel like they're both stuck. He's not particularly in touch with his feeling. Like he's not a therapy guy. He's kind of an old school guy. She's probably not terribly in touch either. And I think they're really like, what do you suggest? There's I'm, I'm sure there's so many people listening now who they might have a spouse, a wife, whatever, who's shut down, maybe postpartum depression. And the husband's like, I don't know what to do. How do you, what do you do? I mean, there's a lot of things, like you said, there's a ton of ways you can attack this, but the first, honestly, get into therapy. I know people always think like, oh, I'm not that bad or, oh, but I, it's like such an effort to do it. Have someone help you call and make an appointment. Most of the time you can make appointments online. Hold on. So you're saying, who so should the husband make an appointment or the, make he makes an appointment for her as long as he communicates with her if he if she's open to him helping then yes he should he can make an appointment that's fine but i think they should both i think they should be into couples counseling and the, the wife should be in her own personal counseling and separate therapists that you cannot see the same therapist for couples as you do individual why is that because the therapist whether or not this is actually happening which it probably isn't but the other spouse who's not in the individual counseling will look at that therapist as if they're on the side of their spouse, which is so true in moderate, like when you're trying to moderate an argument, they're going to always think or even fight in <laughs> session. Like you're always taking their side kind of thing. It's almost like you're the, pa- the therapist is the parent and they're like, they're oh, your yeah. favorite, meh, meh, meh. you know, it's just not, and good. I would totally do that with my train too. Oh, me too. 100%. Yeah. See? I mean, you know that I've been talking about this motherfucker for years. Mm-hmm. Like, see, this is what I was talking about last week. There right? he you is. just pull stuff up and it's like not, <laughs> it's not, not the best, but getting into therapy, I think is great for both, especially when you said like, they're kind of both cut off from how they're feeling and what they're like. Most people are, by the way. So anybody out there, it's like, well, I don't even know how I feel totally normal. It's like survival. We can't just be in our feelings all the time. We have like shit to do. So it's okay to like, not always know how you feel, but you should take some time every so often to kind of tap in and therapy can be that like touchstone every week to make sure you're doing that. We all talk to our friends when we're experiencing issues, but they don't always give us the greatest advice. I mean, come on, don't we all know that? Don't ask your friends. They're just as wacky as you are. That's why you need therapy. I go to a therapist. I've been to a therapist for a decade and it's helped me so much. I've always told people if you got Anxiety, if you have depression, if you have issues that you can't resolve yourself, see a professional, which is why Talkspace, Talkspace is the best. It's affordable um, and it works around your schedule at your convenience. You can send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the app. So whether you're experiencing depression, anxiety, or other problems, Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform to help you sort through any issue. Please trot out, start feeling better with a single message match with a licensed therapist. When you go to talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code WMMA, that's a hundred dollars off when you use code WMMA at talkspace.com protect your home or your office with ring alarm ring alarm is a powerful, affordable home security system that you can easily install yourself. And it works seamlessly with other Ring products in one simple app. I'm telling you, we're a huge fan of Ring and Ring Alarm. We use the Ring Alarm system in our studio, YMH Studios. And in fact, we've even caught 
uh, footage of of any getting afraid of one of the <laughs> of a blow up doll, and we played it on your mom's house. So thank God for for Ring and the Ring alarm system. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had that wonderful footage of any. Um, it worked together everything in one simple app. Ring alarm works seamlessly with other Ring products to protect every corner of your home inside and out. If something's happening at home, Ring lets you know it's on your phone, so you'll know it's peace of mind anytime, knowing that your home is protected. So protect your home anytime from anywhere with Ring Alarm. Go to ring.com slash WMMA for a special offer on a Ring Alarm security kit today. You can build the system that's right for your home and have it up and running in minutes. That's ring.com slash WMMA. That's ring.com WMMA. See, but, it's like, but see, listen, just people listening to this, it's hard to interrupt you, but I got so excited okay. mm-hmm. is that it's the same thing when people are fat and they're like, I don't know how to lose weight. And you're like, you know how to fucking lose weight, eat less, move more. That's it. That's it. Same mm-hmm. shit with this. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm sad. Go to therapy. No, mm-hmm. there's gotta be another thing I can do. Go to therapy, go to therapy. And like, you can't, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's, it is just that fucking simple. It's just, it's hard work you know, and like making that commitment over and over to yourself is really hard. And so I think if therapy is something that maybe it's financially not available to you, or I don't know, maybe you live in a small town, like where I grew up, where there's like four therapists for everybody. You're like, talk space. yeah, talk it's space. like, yeah, there's talk space. There's better help. There's a lot of resources out there for online therapy. And so I'd encourage people to look into that, but also there are things that you can do as as a couple. So, right. We're talking about the husband worried about the wife who's super depressed and it's been going on for a long time. It's okay to check in with them. Even if you you don't know, you don't have to know how to fix it. It's actually better. If you don't, don't try to fix it. Just check in, ask how they're doing and listen to learn. Mm. Don't listen to fix. I know that it's really hard, especially when you love them, but let them teach you about what's happening. Don't make assumptions. So when you come to the conversation, just be like, Hey, you seem kind of down this week. You know, how are you doing? And then shut the fuck up. Let them talk. Let them tell you how they're doing. If they're like, Oh, I don't want to talk about this or whatever. Be like, well, I'm here. If you do, you can't make people feel better and you can't fix them anyways, but you can show up for them and you can be patient until they're ready to tell you about it. That's the hard part. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people aren't ready to share with you and you want them to be ready and you're, yeah, like, you're ready. I'm ready. I'm <laughs> sure let's go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm definitely, it's not my personality type where, you know, I can, I don't, I don't do that. Like the, I'm not the avoidant. I don't think me neither. I'm, I'm more of like, let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's talk it out. Motherfucker. Like I'm, <laughs> I, I can't stand the tension of someone hating me. I'm like, yeah. I, I know that disapproval. Same. I'm like, I love you. Please love me back. I can't take that. <laughs> um, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. Yeah. Don't abandon me. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah. Oh, but what you said was really interesting about, about actually listening to the other person. I think when you're in a couple, you're so fucking mad at that person. Like when you, or you have your own resentments or shit that's in your head about the relationship. Like for instance, let's say in, the, in this, in this, for instance, the wife is depressed the husband is like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What the fuck mm-hmm. do I do? It's just this bitch's screen. You know, I give her everything. What? Do I, I don't know. I'm just projecting the uh-huh. dialogue. Uh-huh. And so by the time they sit down and maybe they're having this great chat, he might be so mad at her. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he probably hasn't had his dick touched in fucking forever because she's resentful or I don't know what the sitch is. Or doesn't have the energy, isn't interested, right? Whatever. Depression can take all of that from us. Yeah. Whatever there is. So you, it's so hard as a couple as someone in a relationship to put that stuff aside, like your resentments, your assumptions, and then like to go in with a blank mind, like an open heart and just go, what are what's happening with you mm-hmm. versus yeah. like, I want to hash out my shit. Right now. Mm-hmm. But you different can, talk. It is a relationship. So it is fair for you to say that, like, if you check in on them and they're like, well, I don't want to talk about it. It's OK to say, well, I need to talk. Can I share with you what I'm going through? And then, and then you can say like, I don't, you know, let's say there's no sex. Right. So you're like, I miss being, let's talk about that. That's okay. Now I get that one a lot. Men and the wife does not want to give him D touches usually Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of kid stuff to take care of. And like, of course life. So how does a husband get D touches? Let's do that. First thing, 
fucking love languages. Get on that shit. Learn about it. Have your wife take the test. What is it? You can do it online. It's called the five love languages. I highly recommend because you'll get your detouched if you do one of her things. So for instance, for Mm -hmm. me, it is acts of service. If I come home and Sean is like taking care of everything and like dinner is ready, mm-hmm. like detouches for sure. Why Big would you detouch. not? You've done maybe. all the things for me. This is maybe amazing. Delicts, delicts yep. even. You maybe. might, you just don't know. Put it out there. See what you get. Do yeah. some of the things. It could be um, shared activities. Maybe you plan a fun thing to do together. And I know everything's complicated if you have kids and things going on, but it doesn't mean you can't schedule something two weeks out. Tell yeah, her about it. Plan. Look at this plan. thing I planned for us. I also already got us a babysitter detouches for sure. Come on now. Like we have to speak the language to our person that they can hear. It might be gifts. If you know, there's five of them and everybody's different and you'll have like one that's your primary and others, as you take the test, you'll see like what the others are that kind of, you know, track in line, try to do those things. You could even have a conversation with them and share what yours are. Mm -hmm. So start there. Like I would say, so this couple that I'm telling you about, maybe the icebreaker is a love language thing where he's curious about what makes her happy. And Mm -hmm. then maybe when she's buttered up, buttered up, (laughs) he could be like, Hey, I've noticed you're kind of bummed these days. Like what's, uh, what's going on? Yeah. We feel more when, when someone speaks our love language, we feel more understood and more connected. So that's going to allow for more conversations as well as more sex. So the thing that I think sometimes, and this isn't mm. all cases, but some men think that like, you can just all of a sudden be like, oh, sex. Yep. Like they don't have to have any buildup, <laughs> but women need some time. We need some buildup. And that's why if you can kind of prepare ahead, I know it like goes against everything. So you're like sex. Yes. Always on the menu. And women are like, absolutely not. It's only oh. a special, you know, it's like, we need God. something special to trigger us. I forget there was this neuro, this neurologist I was listening to a podcast the other day and there's something about how men are, can be turned on by like all their senses, like sight, sound, touch, and women are, it's like completely in our heads and what we've like put together. We need like a combination of things and they're, they like just need one. And so we, but we need like this part of this combination is, which is why I think love language is, is really powerful for, for partners to know about each other because then yeah. Then it's just, gotta it's read better. that. It's a book. Yeah. The five yeah. Lump, it's a book. I'm going to read that. It's, it's a book. It's even, um, they, I think they have it like on audiobooks and stuff now too. And you can take the test online for free. It's really, really great. That's awesome. Wait. So guys need like one thing and then mm-hmm. get a boner yeah. and then when ours are like three in oh a certain or- order. <laughs> There's it's so true because, uh, Tom will be like, let's go. Let's F it's time. It's been 72 hours. And I'm like, the baby's crying on the monitor. Like I can't, if my babies haven't gone down to sleep yet. And I even just hear them playing in their room. I'm like, I am so you're still mom. You're not. Yeah. 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 I'm still in that mode of caregiving. I have to tell him like, I have to switch over. You understand? Mm -hmm. Like I have to completely shut down like mom mode. And then I have like, I'll have a glass of wine and we'll put on music. Like I have to switch into a person yeah. and then <laughs> communication to feel connected yeah. a little bit, just a, little chat. a little bit, Come just on. a little chit chat. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Not just grab ass and like, yeah, right to it. Yep. Yeah. Chit chat. Yeah. Chit- hey, how's the weather? Y'all I have to ask him about it. <laughs> Did he notice that it rained today? And was it hot rain? Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. That's so true. You just have to be like, slow down, slow your mm-hmm. roll. And then I'll give you the D touches. Yeah. Okay. But I want to give, I want to, this book is so important and I, I love that you, I'm just so, I'm so happy you wrote traumatized. I love this. Okay. How do we recover? This is the big question. And I know this is the million dollar question. So buy the book to, to get in depth, but what's the hope for people? Like, do you recover from trauma, especially complex trauma? Yes, you do. Okay, um, good, good. But Talk the thing that, that was interesting. Yeah. Don't worry. Hope, no, hope is out thank there. God. <laughs> Ooh. I know everybody's like, do I just give up now? Do I just yeah. give up? No, they just no. do drugs forever. Huh? <laughs> no, things get better. But the, the interesting thing that I, I was honestly a light bulb moment for me when I was doing research for the book is that for about, a, about 60% of people who've been traumatized or have developed PTSD, talk therapy alone is not enough. And so if you've been in talk therapy for years and you're like, 
fuck, it just doesn't get better. And like, sometimes it'll be stressful. And then I have flashbacks again. And like, I thought I was over this and it can be really frustrating and we can lose hope for the future. Maybe you need something additional like medication or, uh, EMDR, which stands for eye movement, um, reprocessing and desensitization. It's like, I have a bunch of videos about it on my channel. If people want to learn more, but it's another type of treatment for trauma that gives our brain yet another opportunity to process what happened. I did EMDR. It's so good. Yeah. I highly recommend it for anybody out there, man. And I don't buy into any of this shit. Like I am not one of these people. It's like, you just got to do, you know, you got to trip on acid. It's got this thing is real. This is a real, real treatment and it complete. You're right. It enhanced everything for me. Go ahead. Sorry. I love it. I love it. It's good to like, to have, you know, it can move it forward. Like you feel like you're stuck and I just keep getting stuck. EMDR and other treatments. There's other things like I was talking about somatic experiencing where you like through movement release the trauma because it is stored in our bodies just as much as it's stored in our minds. And so there, there's a ton of different modalities. And also I was looking into other treatments that aren't necessarily therapeutic in nature. I've included them in the book, but these are things like vagus nerve stimulation, which Mm. if you don't know, the vagus nerve runs like throughout your entire body, it's the longest nerve in your body. And we know that it plays a key role in our mood and our Mm. mental health. And so you can stimulate it to help calm your nervous system down, which sounds weird to stimulate is to calm, but it's just how our system works. So just trust me on this. Um, that's an option. There's also things like stellate ganglion block, which not a lot of people know about where, what is that? That sounds crazy. (laughs) It's so there's a, a nerve in your neck and we found that people, and obviously your vagus nerve runs along here too. And I don't think there's, I don't, I don't think that's a coincidence, but again, I'm not a neurologist, but they found with people, people who've had repeated trauma, who have complex PTSD had almost like this tree, like formation of a nerve, your stellate ganglion. And it was coming down into their chest here. And it was like, you know, all the little roots Mm -hmm. and the more trauma, like the bigger, the tree essentially. And they'd already been giving these numbing shots for our stellate ganglion for people who had like issues with swallowing and muscle tension in their head and neck and maybe nerve pain. So it's been around since I want to say it's like 1925 or something like that. It's been around forever. They've been doing this. So it's like, you know, tried and true and trusted, but only in the last 10 years or maybe 15, they've been using it for the treatment of trauma because they found people who were getting treatment for those other issues had reduction in symptoms like flashbacks, hypervigilance. And obviously I'm not a neurologist. You have to be assessed to make sure it's a good fit for you. But those that the, the belief that we can only talk about our trauma and that will heal us is not true. Not true. We know more now. And also what apropos our discussion earlier of what Mm -hmm. we're talking about, how it's, it's physically rooted. So what you're talking about makes sense. There's a mind body connection uh, the nerves, everything, the wiring gets affected when you're traumatized. So it would make sense that you need to go back and heal the physical stuff and, and, you know, get it all together in a cohesive thing that, that makes perfect sense. to Yeah. Me. It's like a holistic treatment, right? You know, you want to yeah. treat your body and your brain. And so in the book, I talk about all of the different trauma treatments, whether that's like talk therapy, EMDR, somatic experiencing, there's a ton of them. But then I also get into things that are like needing more research, which is like stellate ganglion block, you know, and VNS treatment. And even now this isn't in the book, but one of my girlfriends, who's a trauma specialist, she is doing some, uh, she's in research with other clinicians about psilocybin and that if people yes. don't know what that is, it's like what makes magic mushrooms so magic, but they're utilizing psilocybin. So you can go on what's called like a good trip that allows you to like go back to your trauma and kind of heal it in a way. Now I don't fully understand it. Cause it, like I said, it's in like newer stages of research, but things are coming along. Ketamine is another treatment people use for hey, I did that. Yeah. Oh. When I was in the ER and they reset my bones, I went on a ketamine trip and I had a vision and it changed my life. Yeah. See, so things like <laughs> this, you can't just say it's one thing or the other, or this isn't okay. And this is okay. Do what's best for you, but make sure you're doing it, you know, in a, proper treatment facility with trained mm. professionals so that they can ensure that, you know, you aren't doing more harm than good. Because the one thing interesting about like things like ketamine and psilocybin is that if it's not done properly, if we're like finding it on the street and doing it, you know, like kids have been doing forever, Whoops. you could traumatize yourself more. So 
Just definitely, be aware. <laughs> uh, definitely Lollapalooza 1992. <laughs> Two hits of LSD instead of one. <laughs> Lost your mind. Lost yeah. my mind. Yeah. Um, Katie Morton, I know you have to go. You have a very important. You're you've got a meeting. I want everybody to buy traumatized traumatized. How would you how would you like people to consume this book? They can just go to Amazon or Target, anywhere books are sold and pre-order now. Actually, if you pre-order through my website, katiemorton.com book, you go into there, you actually get the first two chapters right now, right away. Ooh, as a thank you for pre-ordering. Very exciting. And there will be an audio book too coming. Yes, I'm recording it this week. Exciting. I can't wait. And um, Katie is a wonderful resource too for every mental health issue. What's your YouTube channel called? I forget. Just Katie now. Morton. Just Katie Morton. Thank you so much. Thank you for being you, Katie. I love you. And I, this makes me weep with joy that you've, uh, I'm actually tearing up because I'm so happy for you and I'm so proud uh-huh. of you. And I love what you do. And thank you so much for joining. And um, I hope to see you soon. Let's hang out again. We have I know. Let's yesterday. hang out again. Love you too. Okay. Thanks for having you. me. Mwah. You're the best. Mwah. Bye, mommy. Where my mom's, where my mom's, where my mom's at Where my mom's wearing thongs, hitting bongs at Raising kids, cleaning shits, need a long nap Where my mom's, where my mom's, where my mom's at Where my mom's at podcast With Christina P.